Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Andrew P. Shea. I am Jim Galante, and we've got one hour of Penn State football talk coming your way. Andy, are you all ready, sir? Yeah, Jim, I'm ready to talk Penn State football. I think, you know, during the offseason, you kind of have, sometimes we talk about stuff and have a little, I have a tight focus on shows. I would say to all the listeners out there, get ready, enjoy the next hour, strap on in and stay with us, because we're going to hit a lot of different pots on the stove. There's, we're going to go a lot of different directions today, because there's a lot of different directions we can go. So this will be fun. Yeah, yes, it is. But I'll tell you what, let's get out of the way to start the non-fun topic. Uh, Theo Johnson uh, projected to be the starting tight end, apparently got in a scuffle in a fraternity. This is back in February. It took till this week for the news to come out. Uh, so it, there's a legal issue there. You know, a couple questions I have for you, Andy, is this when you see a scuffle at a fraternity, do you just say boys being boys or do you say, Hey, look, this is, this is an issue. And is there a double standard? Is there a different standard because Theo Johnson is a public figure on the Penn state football team and he's got to behave to a different standard? Yeah. I mean, he is held to a different standard, but he's a human being, right? So He's, he's like the rest of us. We're flawed. We make mistakes. We do dumb things and we're not perfect, right? You know, life is not a game of perfect. So, I mean, Penn State put out a statement. I mean, he punched a fraternity, a kid at a fraternity party and is charged with like simple assault and something else, but you, you just can't, you can't punch people. You can't be punching people and you can't get angry and punch people. Penn State put out a statement that said these these alleged actions do not reflect the values and standards of our program. Right. They're they're the standards and values of, you know, sort of being a human. You you don't punch people, but people punch people. It happens. And in terms of a legal issue, there are much bigger individual legal issues that, you know, people deal with other than I got in a fight at a fraternity and the his actions have consequences, right? Shouldn't have done it, did it. They will have consequences. Is he held to a higher standard? Yes. Do I really care legally? No, because he punched a guy at a fraternity and you shouldn't do that, but it's not like you judge Theo Johnson, the person, because he punched the dude at a fraternity. So, I mean, I don't see it as a problem. I think he's still their number one tight end this fall. And, you know... It's going to happen. We're not perfect. My my two quick thoughts on this is Penn State's legal issues football from the football team have been very few. It's been very quiet over the last couple of years. That's number one. Number two, if there's going to be an issue, a fight at a fraternity, that's hardly a unique item going on. But where I will say he's responsible is that he's a very big guy also. He could do a lot of damage by He's throwing a large a punch. human being. Yeah. So, so he, I think all the more reason, Theo. Next time, 
just walk away. All right, let's move on to more positive things, Andy. And one of the most positive things it has been the offensive line recruiting in the last week or so. It's been fascinating. They had gotten a couple interior alignment in the recruiting class of 24. Now they picked up two guys who are no doubt they are tackles. Okay. They're both about six foot seven. Garrett Sexton from Wisconsin, Egan Boyer from North Carolina. First of all, what does this tell you overall about uh, Troutwine, the O-line coach, and his recruiting? What he's and what he's looking for when he's bringing in these guys who are six foot seven and pretty athletic. In fact, Garrett Sexton used to be a quarterback in high school. Yeah, the interesting part is there. So when you think of offensive tackles, right? Your traditional, you know, mind goes to their size, right? They're they're large humans. Now these guys are six seven, but they're like barely two fifty, right? I mean, Adisa Isaac and and Abdul Carter weigh that much, right? Like, that's how much these guys weigh. They're more developed college football players, but they're looking the, – the, the game has moved so much in the last, you know, decade, even five years, you know, the edges, the outsides, the, the, the speed of the game. It's all on the it, – a lot of it has moved to the edges. And, you know – for lack of a better term, length has become invaluable on the edges in terms of the offensive line and length with athleticism. So these guys, I looked at them both. They they look more like tight ends to me, like a Zach Koontz. Remember Zach Koontz went to Old Dominion, probably going to be drafted in the NFL draft, upcoming NFL draft. They look more like tight ends and – but if you look at offensive tackles today and the and the guys they're playing against, speed, athleticism, that six foot seven frame in length and that wingspan, that is kind of what you're gonna see offensive tackles more look a little bit more like in a perfect scenario, right? Like there's still a place for the six foot four, six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pound. They do serve it, but generally speaking. Over the last five years, I've seen, especially on the on at both tackles, especially on the edges, length and athleticism are so important because the game, so much of the game happens outside the on those edges, and it's just invaluable. And it's it's what Troutwine is obviously been teaching and looking for, and he's on a roll, right? He's got four guys in this class, I think. Um, two tackles. He's he's killing it in, on the offensive line after a very good recruiting year, and an offensive line creating stability on the field as well for this program. So, the offensive line is one of the fastest moving positions in the last eighteen months across all levels of this program, and this is a further reflection of I think it's Phil fine tuning the recruiting for moving forward instead of looking more like what it is right now. And it's been all good news, and you alluded to the weight. If you're six foot seven, 250, you could probably add weight easier than the guy who's six foot three, you know. So, all, all good news there. And I think it's 
reflects this is what Trout Wine is looking for. So I, I, I think that's great news on the offensive line. Let's stick with recruiting, Andy. Sure. And I want to talk, of all things, <laughs> recruiting in Wisconsin, of all places. Uh, Penn State has brought in two offensive linemen from, from Wisconsin, uh, Sexton, Garrett Sexton, who we mentioned, plus Donovan Harbor. Donovan Harbor is listed as the number one recruit in Wisconsin. Sexton is in the top four. And my apologies here. Our listeners probably know more than we do. On Friday, and we're recording before this happens, Harbor's teammate, running back Corey Smith, is scheduled to commit. And as we record this, all indications point to Penn State. And I'm not so concerned about the individual, but overall, if this Corey Smith, the running back, commits to Penn State, it will mean Penn State has three of the top four high school recruits out of Wisconsin. Any conclusions you come from that, Andy? No, I don't. You remember a few years back when Penn State had a, had a run of top five players out of Michigan? And then you, you kind of never saw it again, right? Like, sometimes it 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 just lines up that, you know, you, you get them from a different state. I mean, there's so many... Oh, there's, it, this isn't a reflection of Wisconsin or Luke Fickle and what he's not doing or doing. I mean, I'm sure inside the borders of Wisconsin, this is causing a little bit of angst uh, amongst Wisconsin football fans. But really, Luke knows what he's doing. And Luke can recruit, by the way, see Cincinnati. And he knows what it looks like. There's so many layers to this now that you remember that word territory, Jimmy? And it wasn't that long ago that it was sort of a a, a catchphrase in recruiting. I'm not sure that that exists anymore. I mean, to me, it you know, one of the new recruiting layers is about opportunity and relationships, especially what, then that's partly because of the transfer portal, right? The relationships with coaches and assistant coaches and coordinators that all matters, and now with the transfer portal, as they move, the kids can move. So there's so many layers to it. Geography still matters sometimes, but for the most part, I'm not sure how important geography is anymore. I think it's still there's still a little bit of territory that you would like to continue to make your own, but you also have to fight a lot more fights in that territory. I just think you know, if there were 10 layers to recruiting five years ago, I think there's 15 to 20 of them now. So it's just, I don't think there's any reflection or anything to be taken from it, you know, in terms of like, is Penn State starting to invade Wisconsin as a Big Ten, you know, quote unquote rival and stealing their players? I just think, it, I just think it's a one year wonder thing and, and opportunity and relationships really do matter for these kids. And, Geography doesn't. So that is just the way I'm seeing it more than anything else. I think it does open a door in Wisconsin. I'm not sure how much time you want to spend there because how much resources, because there are not going to be, it's not like going to Florida or going to Texas. Correct. But I think this is probably more a Luke Fickle conversation than a James Franklin conversation Remember a couple years ago when Nolan Rucci from Pennsylvania, a legacy, 
went to Wisconsin. Now his brother was already there, so that was part of the conversation. But Penn State fans freaked out about it. If you're a Wisconsin fan and you lose three out of your top four recruits in-state to a conference rival, I suspect, yes, that they are freaking out in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, they they are a little bit because it's one school, Jimmy. It's not like you lost one to Iowa, one to Penn State, one to Michigan, right? Like, or one to Alabama or something, or one went to Clemson. This is one school. And, you know, I just think that in what Phil's looking for in Lyman, there were a couple of of them in, in Wisconsin, and he has he created a better relationship and opportunity in these kids' eyes for them at Penn State. And he's not wrong. There is going to be great opportunity for these young players at Penn State in terms of the offensive line moving forward beyond 2023. So that's where the opportunity part comes in. All right, Andy, that is it for quarter number one. We're going to keep up the conversation in quarter number two. Stay with us. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. We are talking Penn State football. Andy, we spent a good amount of time in quarter number one talking about recruiting. I want to continue that conversation with the quarterback position. Always fun. It's been pretty obvious for a while now that Penn State had a specific target, Michael Van Buren, 5'11", 185 from St. Francis in Maryland. 
as their number one target at quarterback. And he announced that he was going to, his announcement date, I think was July 8th that he came out with it. And I was ready to bring this up this week as a, okay, Penn State found their quarterback. All indicators are pointing to them, even though we had a final three of Penn State, Oregon, and Maryland. All of a sudden, though, just to show you how recruiting works, Oregon, they look like a lock with a different quarterback who is going to make an announcement imminently. Well, that quarterback puts off his announcement. Van Buren is going to have another visit to Oregon. And all of a sudden, the predictions are going to Oregon, that that's the favorite. My question is, it doesn't mean Penn State's out of this. Obviously, things change. But does it not just show how difficult it is to pin things down in the world of high school football recruiting? Yeah, and why James doesn't count on anything until like that first big signing day. And you kind of laugh at him and go, come on, James, you got these guys locked down. But I don't think in James's mind they ever really are, especially uh, he lived the Micah Parsons recruiting intimately. So that will always sort of have a little bit of influence on James. But it's interesting because, you know, Penn State has its board. He was a high target. I call him a high target. You said he's number one. That could be it, – it just feels like – we talked about this in the last quarter. Remember I used the word opportunity? So if if you're a young quarterback, right, it, from Maryland, and you – if Penn State had – was in on him and he likes Penn State, but it appears there might be a better opportunity with another quarterback not signing at Oregon. And Oregon likes him just as much, right? Like he feels wanted probably by both schools on – for different levels, but opportunity wise, Penn state's about to add a new true sophomore as their QB one, or even another classmate as their QB two. And he, he sees that. And Bo Nix is in his last year out at Oregon. So there's opportunity for him might be better at Oregon sooner than later. That's kind of always going to, that's an underlying factor. That is a big deal now is, is the opportunity. And the way I look at it is Penn State should keep pushing forward in their t- in terms of their recruiting for a QB1 for the class of 2024. That's pretty much it. Because this looks like a possible maybe, and you don't stop for possible maybes. And even if the kid kind of says quietly, I'm going to go for July, and it looks like it's going to be you, I don't think Penn State and James stops anyway but I think they still are looking for the guys on their board that they have identified in their top three or top five. They're looking for that one. And it doesn't appear as he's going to be it, but it changes quickly, Jimmy. It changes really quickly, especially at the quarterback position. And that is it exactly. A week ago, it did look like Penn State. This week, it looks like Oregon. Who knows what it'll look like next week, let alone – uh, come December when they actually have to sign, which is when it matters. All right, uh, Andy, let's uh, let's shift from recruiting to that other talent acquisition area, which is the transfer portal. I think many of us were a bit surprised when Storm Duck announced he was leaving Penn State. Happened quick, Andy. He just uh, uh, left North Carolina, entered the portal, announced for Penn State. I was a little surprised that everyone assumes it's he's moving on again because he's not a starter. It seems pretty apparent. Kalen King 
and Johnny Dixon are going to be the starters. My question always was, he should have been able to see that when he came here. But, and by the way, the latest news is he has now committed to Louisville with uh, a former teammate of his also committed to Louisville. So it's kind of uh, interesting there and not a surprise. But let's talk about what Penn State has left in the cornerback room. Obviously, again, it's King and Dixon as the starters. But what then, Andy? Because you know they've always seemed to play at least three and maybe even four cornerbacks that they rotate in. Where do they sit? So I think this caught Penn State by surprise a little bit, just a little bit. And I think they're not scrambling. Trust me, they are not scrambling. And this is more about Storm Duck came here with a, came to Penn State with an expectation that he could win a, a starting job, right? That was his expectation and he couldn't win it you know Johnny Dixon was just simply better through spring and I think Storm had a good spring right like he played well and sorry but the other two guys are better and when I look at the cornerback position going for you got your guys and you have options right you've got Daquan Hardy that plays in the slot that's an option right there's a many ways Penn State can go here in terms of how they use corners don't forget Play safety. Remember Keaton Ellis? Remember how he started his Penn State career? He has cornerback skills. Another possible option, right? They have three young players that are making a case. So the way I look at it is they have five to seven options. We know what the two are. How it looks at the three or four beyond that goes into fall camp, they learned a lot in the spring about, you know, you know, about the next level for Cam Miller as a potential, you know, third or fourth guy that plays corner. They know they've got a couple options that have some experience and some miles on the tires, right? They have two young freshmen that they get to continue to evaluate and look at. So I don't think they need to panic in any way, shape or form. Um, Somebody will be found. Like the way I look at it is, it, it, you know, somebody will make themselves known to Manny Diaz and Terry Smith, and they will clearly know that. One of these guys is going to make themselves known. They're going to look at plenty of options. And in terms of the transfer portal, you, you can look there too because you are always, always, always looking for talent acquisition through the transfer portal to help you. It doesn't matter how many guys you have, you still always look and shop in there. You should. That's part of the job now. So I don't say disregard like, ah, don't look in the transfer portal for anybody. You're always looking in there. It's just a matter of, you know, does the shoe fit? But I think they have plenty of options. It's not a concern that Storm Duck left to me in terms of, oh, my gosh, this is now a problem for Penn State secondary. Nope, 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 nope. Not for me. Well, I think this is a little bit similar to the running back position when you had two really good options back there and the issue was gee they don't have a third option or a good third option you're starting with hardy and dixon and and um i'm sorry king and dixon so you've got to be very happy with that perhaps what it means is because the rest of the options are inexperienced perhaps you stick with King and Dixon a little more than you might have otherwise. Correct. As you mentioned, Daquan Hardy is very experienced as that slot 
cornerback. Maybe he's available if you need to rotate on the outside. But you already have Cam Miller. You have the true freshman, Elliot Washington, Lamont Payne, who they've complimented. You start working those guys in because they've shown they will play young people, true freshmen at cornerback. Yeah, they, they have – Penn State has 16 of them last year, true freshmen, played. And I'd argue that even double figures, up to 10, contributed, right? Like some And some emerged as superstars, right? They had all three levels. 16 of them played, and they will do it again, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. If Manny Diaz finds some kind of value, he doesn't care if you're a fifth-year senior or a true freshman. He will put you on the football field on the defensive side of a ball if he sees a situation where you can help them. Trust me, they they have no fear of playing anybody. I know it may seem like a wishy-washy answer to say, could they go to the portal? Sure, but they don't have to. Could they play the young guy? Sure, but they don't have to. But that is the nature of this position and where they are right now. So I I don't think it's any need to panic. If there's the right fit in the portal, sure. If not, uh, not a great concern. I'm sure they're very confident in 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 the um, in the people. Um, yeah, well, they, go it's ahead. not a position of weakness because Storm Duck left. It is not, Jimmy. That's the bottom line. Because he left, Penn State is not in a has not shifted to a position of weakness at the cornerback position on the defensive side of the ball. Not at all. Okay, I want to hit uh, one more Penn State portal story, and that is uh, Devin Ford, the running back. He's finally entered the portal. And what I find fascinating about this, Andy, is he left after four games. And even the official announcement from James Franklin was he's going to focus on academics. And everybody just ran with that, thinking that he's done playing football. Did you not think, hey, wait a minute, he left after four games. What does four games mean? It means he could maintain the red shirt for that season, okay? There was a reason that he left after four games. So why are people surprised that he's now in the portal, that he is looking to continue his football career? Yeah, it feels to me, so when he announced after four games, when they announced after four games that he had left the team and James said he was going to focus on academics, either he had to do something to elevate academics, I think they're the same to me, or perhaps he wanted to get, he wanted to finish his degree so he could be a graduate transfer, either one. It doesn't matter. It's the that he left after four games, and that was for a distinct and valid reason, because it preserved a year of eligibility for him. And good for him to see the handwriting on the wall after four games that, uh, yeah, these two freshmen, um, my options have become even more limited on this team. So it's not a surprise at all. In any way, shape, or form, he's, he actually set himself up for fairly good success. And I think someone's going to snatch him up because he has he's limited on in one aspect, but he has a high ceiling in another role in an offense. And I just think he's got some value still and not many miles on the tires. 
and he's always seemed like one of the good guys, and we, we wish him well as he moves on. I think most Penn State fans do not uh, deny him that opportunity. Good for him. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we're going to take your questions. We're going to ask Andy. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's Andy. I'm Jim. And we call this segment Ask Andy. This is where we'll take your questions. We'll ask them of Andy. He'll give us great answers, and at the end, he'll pick out a best question. And whoever gave us that question, they'll win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. And if you want to send a question, here's what you do. Download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see a tab there that says Ask Andy. Push the button and write in your question, and who knows? Maybe it'll be your question that wins next week. All right, Andy, you ready to roll? Let's do it, Jimmy. I'm ready. Okay, let's get to Steve in Chicago first. He says, hello, Jim and Andy. First off, Salty Jim, you're right on the money from Monday's show. $1.58 billion versus $1.2 to build a new stadium. Uh, I get tradition, but you need to build something that will last for the next 50 to 75 years not piecemeal together a renovation. Plus, Penn State has enough land to build something new. Uh, Andy, if you didn't hear our show uh, with Dustin earlier in the week, we had the conversation about the refurb with the uh, 
upgrade to Penn St- to Beaver Stadium, and Jim had lots of questions about it. All right, let's get to his question, though, for this week. Mr. Andy, with CBS and NBC televising Big Ten games, who would you like to see calling the games for these networks? Do you think one of them might try to get Herb Street to flip from ESPN? Uh, interesting question, Steve. Um, I think I don't think Herb Street's going anywhere, and he's got a secondary contract with Prime now. Also, Andy, um, we should probably point out that Todd Blackledge, who's been the number two at ESPN, has made the move to NBC, where he'll be the number one, along with a young guy by the name of Noah Eagle. You may remember his father, who is Ian Eagle. Correct. So that that's NBC's new team. Yeah, Blackledge is going to call. I think Blackledge will be on the the night games, and I, and Todd's really good at his job. I'm I'm not a I'm struggling to find more analysts that engage me. Todd is one of them. CBS. I think Gary Danielson's really good. I think the CBS combo that you got on the SEC game and Danielson, and I can't remember. I mean, Vern Lundquist used to be the guy, but Vern's, you know, since retired and just they just wheel him out for the Masters, and he still does great on the Masters for CBS, calling the 16th hole, but he knows his football calling days are over. I can't remember the guy's name, but I can picture his face who works with Danielson on the CBS games. That yeah, duo. I know, and I can't think of it either. Right, but right. I, I think you're right. I think CBS will stick with them. I agree. I 100% agree, but you made me think, Steve, because, I, I, you know, as much college football as I watch, and I say this very quietly, you know, probably a third to half of it now I watch on mute just because – there's so many games and so they require so many analysts across the networks that I just, I don't get as much as I like Brad Nestler, Brad Nestler. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes. Nestler and Danielson. Good combo. Well, I'll, I'll give you a name uh, that I like. Dan Orlowski impressed me when he did a Penn state game this year. And I felt like I learned something from him. And it was obvious, a lot of times when we see announcers do Penn State games, we see Penn State every week, so I think we know them really well. So it sticks out when the announcer doesn't, but he seemed to have really done his homework. Joel Klatt's really good on Fox. Joel Klatt's really good. Yes, yes, I agree. Okay, let's go to Jim in Dallas, PA. He says, hey guys, on last week's episode, the topic of the 23 whiteout game came up. I've heard many people who cover Penn State reference that Iowa should be the primetime whiteout game, as Andy did last week. But I wanted to point out Ohio State travels to Notre Dame that same week as Iowa-Penn State. I think he's thinking that might be a conflict. Um, He said, like we've all seen the picture leak out, it looks like, and they've announced that NBC is going to do the West Virginia-Penn State game. So that certainly looks like the night game. So here's my question I'm getting to. If the opener versus West Virginia is in prime time, what are the pros and cons of it being made the whiteout game right out of the gate to start the year? Yeah, I I, I just I don't like the first game of the year being the whiteout. It's a non-conference game. I get it's West Virginia. There's some old school history there, but I just think you – the conference matters so much now because you're trying to get 
to the conference championship game. And every game matters, but but games inside the Big Ten and big games inside the Big Ten, those big ones that we know about um, for Penn State, I just think they matter more. And that is such an asset and a weapon for Penn State. I think it's a bad value proposition to use it for the West Virginia game. Andy, I was all about the Iowa game being the whiteout. But here's what I'll say about the whiteout for the first game. I think NBC will really want to make a splash in their first game. What better way to make a splash to announce they're part of the Big Ten now than doing a whiteout game? And now that's from the network's perspective. But I think from Penn State's perspective, if you've got NBC pushing this opener for months and months leading up to the start of the season, I think there's something to be said for that also. So even though I had always been about Iowa for the whiteout, I'm kind of like, hmm, I I, I get why that might be attractive, certainly attractive to the network, but all of the uh, preseason buildup to it that you know NBC will be pushing it kind of makes that attractive too. So I'll, I'll I'll just put that out there as part of it. Let's um, let's get to Disagree. our next. <laughs> That's okay. Um, let's go to Mark in Lancaster, who says, given the usual uproar over Franklin's clock management, do you think the new NCAA rule changes will put us at a disadvantage, or will Penn State adapt and surprise us in how they handle the change? Would having an experienced quarterback have been more able to handle this change? What he's talking about is instead of the clock stopping after first down, the clock will keep running until the last two minutes of the half or the end of the game, Andy. Yeah, and they start, they've already started with Drew Aller and Bo Pabula working on that in the spring on offense, and it'll be a focus in terms of like the, the bigger learning curve for Drew as a starter. Everyone's going to have a learning curve, but a, a, an inexperienced quarterback, it might be a larger learning curve, but I also see it as he's not used to playing, you know, so much now. He's not been playing for two or three years or being a six-year, 24-year-old starting quarterback that he's used to playing one way. So he doesn't have any of that inherent, like, knowledge. So what he's being taught, how he's being taught to do it now to manage the clock as it continues to run will he actually has a slight advantage, in my opinion, as a first-year starter because he doesn't have to adjust, right? He just has to learn how to manage the clock under it. So I, I, I like the rule. I like it a lot because I think college football games have become approaching three and a half hours, and closer to four didn't surprise you if it was like a high-scoring good game. But um, I, I just think it's – for Penn State, I don't think it's going to be much of a problem because they don't have to break somebody of that habit. Okay, a couple things, Andy. First of all, this is a good day for us disagreeing. I hate the new rule. I hate, and I the reason why I hate it is they're shortening the broadcast time by taking out offense or just plays instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, where else are we wasting time? And there's several other places. This is all about television. That's all it's about with the rule changes. And I think the other part to this is the fact that they'll go back to the stopping the clock at a first down with two minutes left. Correct. Means in the most critical time, the Correct. rule's going to be the way it always is. Correct. And as far as James Franklin or any of the other coaches, I, I think very, very little changes or adapting that they'll need to do it. 
Okay, let's go to Daniel and Bell Vernon. He says, in quarter three on April 21st, you discussed the whiteout game likely opponent for the year. One factor I think you're overlooking is the terms NBC has with the Big Ten for night games. Is there a way you can determine what rights the networks have, especially what NBC has, for selecting their games? Um, His feeling, to make this more concise, is he thinks, well, NBC signed on for X number of games at night. Certainly, they're going to have to play night games in November. And if I could steal a little of your thunder here, Andy, I looked around to see if there the old rule was no night games in November unless both teams agree. Michigan coming to Penn State, there's no way in the world they would agree for a night game whiteout. No way. But the NBC's contract calls for enough games that they have to have night games in November to fulfill it, you know, to, to Daniel's point. But nowhere did I find anything where they specifically, the Big Ten, changed the rule. My read on it is this. Well, they'll sort of kind of do it. And, you know, Jim, always thinking conspiracy theories. If Michigan doesn't want to play a night game in November, they're not going to force them. Okay. That's, you know, me, you know, thinking about the conspiracy theory there. So, uh, Daniel, as far as finding out, I don't think there's anything official. I do think we will see night games in November on NBC. I think it'll be interesting, though, which games they do that with. I, uh, on that front, I agree with you that you will see night games in November on NBC because they paid for it. The reason the Big Ten hasn't sort of changed the rule is they're not going to necessarily, I don't think, be 100% making the call. Before, they were making the call, right? Both teams had to agree to it. I think NBC, because they paid for it, and they paid a lot for it, they're going to kind of dictate and be able to dictate a little bit about those November games. Michigan, Penn State in November is definitely in play for a wide-out night game. I don't care if Michigan likes it or not. They might not. They probably will not. But NBC paid for it, and NBC's paying the freight for that. And the Big Ten's going to be like, yeah, we want your money. So we've got to deliver the goods. And it's a real possibility. That's the only And I don't think any rule's going to prevent that from happening if NBC wants it or not. And what we don't know is what the rules are as far as who gets first pick of the different games. We know Fox was number one, so they'll get at least, like they'll get Michigan, Ohio State. We know that. The question is, how are they going to distribute top games among the other ones? Also, come next season in 24 with the addition of USC and UCLA, you could play games on the West Coast that are at 4 o'clock West Coast time, but they're prime time here on the East Coast. Andy, that is it for quarter number three. We'll name a winner at the start of quarter four. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones, lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others, local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's Andy. I'm Jim. We just got done doing our Ask Andy segment, which means, Andy, we need a winner. Who is your winner? So good question this week. A lot of network and whiteout talk, and it's a it's an ever-changing landscape. I, I'm going to go with Jim in Dallas, PA, up there in northeastern PA. Not Dallas, Texas, Dallas, PA. I really like this question. So Jim in Dallas, congratulations. All right. And I, I didn't even ask his full question because it was a long one. One other point that he made that because we had the time to mention it is he talked about the week of the Iowa-Penn State game, Ohio State is actually at Notre Dame. And uh, NBC has the Notre Dame games also. My prediction for that week would be if NBC could get Ohio State-Notre Dame as their you know 3.30 game or, or afternoon game and then get Penn State-Iowa in the evening, that's quite a coup, quite a doubleheader for them and would be very attractive programming. I mean, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, all on the same day, that would be great for NBC. Okay, Andy, let's pick up our conversation. Sure. We did We did a lot of recruiting. We were starting to shift to the portal. And I want to get to this because this is not really a Penn State story, but a college football story. And that's what's going on with Deion Sanders in Colorado. They literally had 23 players enter the portal in the two or three days after their spring game, which yep. got them up to like 46 players since December when Deion Sanders took over that are, are leaving the program. And the difference here is this is not the player saying, hey, I want out of here. This very much is Deion Sanders saying, we don't want you here anymore. And before you comment, I think I want to 
put out a rule that I didn't realize. But apparently when a new coach comes into a program, he is allowed to cut players. Correct. Now, the school has to honor their academic scholarship or the athletic department has to honor that. Correct. But that player will not count against the 85. Essentially, Deion Sanders is is capable of just walking in the locker room and saying, okay, you 80 guys who are here, you're gone. Well, why yeah, don't you get your take on this, Andy? So it's, it's a huge story. It is because it's it's vastly different than anybody else has done it. I mean, Mel Tucker did a little bit of it at, at a smaller level and that at Michigan State. Uh, not Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker. At Michigan State, when he took over there and left Colorado, he used the transfer portal judiciously, but nothing like this. Dion, we're old enough to know and remember because we got to see it live and lived it. Dion, as a player and athlete, he kind of beat to his own drum and did things that were very different back then, and he's continuing to do that in sports as a college football coach. I call yeah. You use the word cut. I I say they removed from the roster. It's potato potato or tomato tomato. The athletic department has to honor that scholarship for a certain time period, but they don't count against the roster in terms. So it allows the coaching staff to move forward. But he they were one and eleven last year, and he it's this isn't like he walked in there and and now he's doing this and it's crazy. When he walked in there, he's like, this team was 1-11 is bad, and I'm going to make a lot of change. He basically said what he was going to do. He told you what he was going to do. Now he's just executing on it. I'm sure he told the Colorado Athletic Department exactly what he was going to do. Like, look, there's 80 guys on this roster, however many there were. All of them are up for debate. And I'm going to be telling guys that they're, they need to go find another place to play. He did not hide that fact. So it's Deion Sanders being exactly the person that he is, and he was as a player and athlete and multi-sport athlete. And it's it's creating some chaos, but it's it's also a little bit of an extreme blueprint for the possibility. The 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 tide turns like this, but it's the other side that I'm curious to see how it looks. Are they better than 1-11 last year because of this? Or next year, excuse me. And in two years, what does their recruiting look like, right? Like what impact does this have on the traditional recruiting? So I don't think Deion's necessarily looking at it that way. Deion's trying to fix we were 1-11 last year and we are not going to be 1-11 this year. And that is sort of his focus and... Everyone's like, well, what about two years from now? And Dion's like, well, for 111 again, who cares about two years from now? So he beats to a different drum, and it's it's not surprising at all. Because Dion. I think it's the extent that's surprising, Andy. And yeah. the in the bigger picture, for many years, the school, the coach, had all the power over the players. We don't have to pay you. You can't earn money elsewhere. And if you want to leave, fine. But you got to sit out a year, which is a major penalty. So they had all the control. Now the power has shifted to the players. The players, they can make money through NIL. They could leave without sitting. They can leave on a whim. You know, I brought up to you, there's a player 
by the name of Comron Kelly, who was actually a teammate of Storm Ducks at North Carolina. Just a real quick history. Committed to Virginia Tech, two months later decommitted, committed to Auburn, enrolled in Auburn, two months later hit the transfer portal, committed to North Carolina, stayed there for a couple of years, hit the transfer portal, committed to Virginia, played in the uh, spring game, hit the transfer portal, now committed to Louisville. That's Louisville, Virginia, North Carolina, Auburn, and Virginia Tech. Five different teams that he committed to, and he's played so far for one of them. Okay, that's the power shift to the player. Is this now, you know what, players, if you want that freedom to move at will, make money at will, move as often as you want, this is the flip side of it now. You're acting like pro athletes. We now have the right to treat you that way, and that's what Deion Sanders is doing. Yeah, it's college free agency, right? Five teams in five years for Kelly, and that is an extreme case, right? Like you're putting out the extreme case. I think when it comes to transfer portal, there needs to be an adjustment by the NCAA. They need to put a ceiling of some kind and figure it out. But they're still learning, right, like about the transfer portal. I don't know if you'll see that in the next year or two, but I think five years from now it would it would not serve college football well if they did not have some kind of barrier. And I'm not saying one. I'm not saying give them one. I, I'm thinking it, it feels right that you can give that – still create opportunity and it still be free agency if, say, you gave them two undergraduate transfers. Like the maximum you can do is two. We don't care how you do them. You get to use them of your own free will. You give, continue the free agency mantra and you give the players the opportunity and, and the power, right? Like you can do two and you can also do one as a grad transfer, either or. So that's three total. Five is ridiculous. Three seems like a reasonable ceiling. I don't see it happening in the very, very near future, but I do think if, you know, in five, it, within a five-year window, that needs to be a goal for them inside the portal is to sort of eliminate a level of this chaos so it doesn't look like that. And I think two is an undergrad, one is a grad. Give them three total feels like a good idea because they can still be students and go to school academically despite the transfer. And whether they're cut or leave on their own free will, there's still the opportunity opportunity to be a student so they've well, got to do another level of of diagnosis i think the ncaa is trying to enforce like one free transfer as an undergrad and once you graduate you know it becomes much different um, but i think what's happening and can happen is the dust will settle and i actually believe it's kind of a good thing what Deion Sanders is doing and it's getting as much ink as it is, I think there's great potential for this to just really fall apart at Colorado. I agree. I, th- I think it has great, uh, you know, dumpster fire possibilities there. Yeah. And oh, that's why I said one to two years is more curious to me than today. And, and right. And to add to it, they have a very tough schedule they do. You know, their their out of conference schedule includes TCU and Nebraska, and now Nebraska might not seem like that huge a um, 
competitor, but if you're Colorado, where you're coming from at the bottom of the uh, Pac-12, playing a Big Ten team in your off in your uh, out of conference schedule, it is an issue. Colorado could have a very difficult season, and if the Deion Sanders personality rubs some players the wrong way, he could be losing players that he doesn't want to lose. Yeah, he do, he's going to do it his way. And, I mean, when you lose 50, I know you're 1-11, but almost 50 players is a lot. That's a lot of talent of some kind, serviceable, manageable, that walks out the door. Yeah, it, I, I wonder what it looks like in one year, but it, it's in 24 and 25 if Deion Sanders is still there. What does it look like then after he creates all this chaos? Because I don't think you're going to get a good read on it as a one-year bar. I just don't think you're going to do it. I think they're going to be. I think they could be really bad again. And I, I don't know if the novelty of playing for you know prime time is is going to wear off. He obviously had this when he was at Jackson State. Was able to bring in better talent than the competition had, and he could out talent people. Now he's playing with the big boys, and I'm not sure he's going to bring in more talent than USC and Oregon and Washington and Utah and those other people in the Pac-12, Andy. I'm not sure it's going to work out for him. Yeah, he's got to recruit. He's got to start at ground zero for recruiting. He's not starting at ground zero in terms of the transfer portal. I think he, he knows what he's doing there. But that's why I think the the more traditional recruiting, because 85, everyone, you know, a lot of teams struggle to get to 85 or keep 85. He's struggling to get, going to struggle to get there. He is. He's also going to have the issue of the portal right now is guys who were not starters. There's not going to be as many attractive players now, and he still needs players. Andy, it went fast, but that's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. 
Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.